<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SubChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup of news and a selection of full stories, plus conversations with reporters and editors from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. And I'm Ada Shen in Paris. First, our weekly review of business stories from Caixin and beyond. Apple will build its first data center in China by partnering with a provincial government in southwestern Guizhou province in a bid to bring the Cupertino-based giant into conformity with China's new cybersecurity law. The new law forbids personal information and business data collected in China to be stored on servers outside the country. State-owned data managing firm Guizhou Cloud Big Data Industries will operate the new data center and Apple's iCloud service on the Chinese mainland. The data center will be used to store photos, videos, and other information that Chinese users upload to their iCloud accounts. A former phosphate ore trader has acquired China broadcasting rights for the English Premier League as it turns away from sluggish heavy industry and towards the booming sports sector. Wuhan-based DDMC Culture will spend 500 million U.S. dollars to purchase Super Sports Media, which currently holds the rights to broadcast Premier League games on all devices on the Chinese mainland. In more tabloidy affairs, Chinese actress Fan Bingbing said last week that she will hire famed law firm Lavely and Singer to sue fugitive Chinese businessman Guo Wenhui in the U.S. for defamation. The statement, posted on Fan's personal Weibo social media account, said the Los Angeles-based law firm will help her file suit against Guo for fabricating stories and vicious slander. And in economics. China's non-financial outbound direct investment, or ODI, dropped significantly during the first half of this year as companies spent less on overseas mergers and acquisitions. Chinese companies spent 48 billion U.S. dollars as ODI from January through June, a decline of 46% from the same period in 2016. Overseas deals involving property developers, hotels, entertainment, and sports clubs shrank. Investment in foreign real estate developers plummeted by 82% year on year, while that in the cultural, sports, and entertainment industry fell by 83%. But there were some bright spots from China's economy. Exports and imports were strong in June, reflecting a pickup in the global demand and resilient activity in the world's second largest economy. Thanks, Ada. Let's hear a bit more about these numbers from Fran Wang, senior writer at Caixin. Fran, how bright are these bright spots? China's exports and imports posted stronger than expected growth in June, and also both of them rose at their fastest pace in three months. 
So that is a positive news for the Chinese economy that everybody is worrying where growth may slow in the rest of the year. Are there signs of a potential impending slowdown? Yes, although imports still grew strongly by double digits in June, analysts were worrying that imports might slow down later in the year because of China's cooling property market and also policies to curb financial leverages to prevent risks in the banking system from deepening. China is, of course, a really big consumer of energy and resources. Any impact there? According to estimates by investment bank China International Capital Corp, although year-on-year imports grew on a month-on-month basis in volume terms, imports of crude oil, soybean, and coal and lignite all fell. Although I know edged up by only three point five percent, so it could affect resource suppliers across the world, such as Russia and Australia. Thanks, Fran. Let's turn now to Doug Young, senior editor at Caixin, who has some big news on one of China's big, big companies. So, Doug, sprawling Chinese firm Wanda is selling a rather large chunk of its assets off. What is the story here? So, this Wanda story came like a bit of a、uh, bolt out of the blue. What happened was Wang Jinlin and Wanda, which is this big company that's trying to transform from a real estate company to an entertainment company. Had been building all these theme parks around China, and most of them were in sort of second-tier, smaller cities. But Wang Jianlin, the founder, had been very outspoken about saying he wanted to become the Disney of China, and actually even take on the real Disney itself. They've, they've bought a few、uh, movie studios in Hollywood, all these movie cinema chains, and everything. So people were quite surprised when. They announce suddenly that he's going to be selling all these theme parks that they've just opened up, thirteen to be precise, to a, a Chinese real estate company called Sunak. And then on top of that, they're also selling their entire hotel portfolio, which are mostly in these old Wanda shopping malls.、Uh, so the total price tag for all of this was nearly ten billion dollars. So it's quite a big chunk of money,、uh, but again, I think what surprised most people, myself included, was just the fact that he's really been trumpeting these properties, and and this is part of his entertainment strategy, you know, to get away from real estate. And bang, suddenly he sells the whole thing to this other company called Sunak. So what everyone is wondering,、uh, why did they do it? It's a good question. A lot of people are probably scratching their heads,、uh, but when you look at the strategy or the rationale, it looks reasonably understandable.、Uh, the whole idea that behind this, this thing is what a lot of people in the business would call going asset light, and a lot of hotels do this. Disney actually does it too for its its two theme parks in Asia. And what you do is you basically find a partner to buy all the real estate, which is very expensive. And you just retain a management contract, so you come in as like the hotel manager. So if you look at a company like Hilton or Marriott, they actually don't own ninety percent or ninety-five percent of the hotels that are called Marriott or Hilton. It's actually owned by a, a local real estate company, and then they just come in and manage it. They make sure it conforms to their standards. They probably outfit it with all their, you know, their sheets and their restaurants and all this stuff. But they really don't have a lot of capital expenses. So Wanda 
is saying they're trying to do the same thing, basically sell off the really capital intensive real estate, and then they'll continue to be called Wanda Cities. The hotels will still be called Wanda Hotels, but they'll basically turn into like a management company. So this way they can pay off a lot of their loans and still hopefully get revenue from managing these these properties and, and raising the awareness for this Wanda brand name. What's Wanda's bigger situation? Are they doing well? Are they too badly in debt? Well, I think this is probably raising a lot of eyebrows about what is Wanda's debt situation. They've taken on a lot of debt in the last few years. I can just reel off a few of their their really big acquisitions. They bought AMC Entertainment, which owns the AMC theater chain in the U.S., They also bought Legendary Entertainment, which is a big U.S. studio. I think that deal alone was $3.5 billion. They actually were trying to buy a company called Dick Clark Productions, and that one fell apart for undisclosed reasons, but that was going to be another billion-dollar deal. Then on top of that, they've also privatized their Chinese real estate company in Hong Kong, and that cost a lot of money, too. That cost several billion dollars. So this is a company that's got lots of debt and then opening all these parks obviously is, you know, a huge investment. So I think a lot of people were saying, gee, is this company maybe taking on a little too much debt? And Wang Jianlin actually told Tsai Xin in an exclusive interview that uh, the company's debt is manageable and the kinds of things you would expect. And, and that, you know, with this new sale, they'll be able to pay off all their bank loans and so on and so forth. In answer to your question, uh, Wanda probably did have quite a bit of debt, and this will allow them probably to pay off, probably not all of it, but it's it's a $10 billion deal, so probably pay off a lot of it. So finally, uh, tell us briefly about Sunak, the company that's buying these assets from Wanda. Well, the buyer is a company called Sunak, which is a big property developer in China and was also in the headlines recently because it also helped to bail out another overstretched company called Leico. And in that case, Sunak basically ended up coming in and it looks like they're essentially kicking out Leico's old management and installing their people. But, you know, they're basically rescuing the company. So I guess they have that right. So some people might say, is this case Sunak coming in? Are they rescuing Wanda the same way they just rescued Leico? I would say uh, Wanda's probably not to the state that Leico was in. Wang Jianlin is quite a bit older and, and savvier than Leico's founder, who's a guy named Jia Ting who was sort of young and and got very intoxicated on entering all these new businesses and promising all this money. Wang Jianlin seems a little older. His his background is in real estate, which tends to be a bit more conservative. You know, it's driven by business models that are pretty easy to understand in terms of debt financing and and repaying debt. And now for our selection of important stories from Tyson Global for the week. We'll hear how beloved foreign TV shows disappeared quite suddenly from popular video sharing site Bilibili, prompting complaints from users. We'll look into how a shortage of general practitioners and a shortage of qualified doctors are stymieing China's efforts to reform its healthcare system. We'll tell you how spending by Chinese traveling overseas is now shifting from shopping to sightseeing. And we'll delve into Leico's woes as the cash-strapped company unable to pay angry suppliers, can no longer stock its own e-commerce store with its smartphones. From Business and Tech, 
Fans Mourn Disappearance of Beloved Foreign Shows from Popular Website by April Ma Beijing Fans of foreign animation, films, and TV series are dismayed as most of their favorite shows disappeared overnight from one of China's most visited trove of free videos. Users of Bilibili, a popular video-sharing website in China, discovered Wednesday evening that the majority of the best-loved shows, including Black Mirror and Game of Thrones, plus Thai, Japanese, and even Norwegian titles that are favored by narrower crowds, are no longer accessible. Viewers were shocked by their removals and anxious about the fate of their much-relied-on source of entertainment, but there has been no explanation yet as to why the myriad shows vanished so swiftly and unexpectedly. The sudden overhaul may be linked to a recent campaign by state regulators to tighten control over online content, while others say the removal has been an ongoing risk for the site as many of the videos are not properly licensed. The company did not respond to questions from Caixin on the number of licensed shows it holds. But the website, which boasts close to 35 million active daily users, is all but barren. The top trending videos are now oldies, such as the 1983 miniseries Jane Eyre, the decades-old TV series Kangxi's Travels, and I Am a Special Troops Soldier, a patriotically-themed series about life in the military. An especially popular feature of the site is users' ability to add comments that scroll across the screen for others to see. It is likely that an administrative hand is behind this, said intellectual property lawyer Zhao Zhanling, but added that it is unclear whether regulators' concerns were related to copyrights or content. Many of the site's videos are uploaded by users who share popular videos to enjoy a cut of advertising revenues. The platform cannot just shift blame and plead ignorance over murky licensing simply because they were uploaded by users, said Gao Tianle, a partner at Beijing Find to Patent Law Office. With the huge traffic they have, they are obligated to take responsibility if they don't own the rights. The site's licensing agreements are not always solid, said Zhao, the lawyer. But it doesn't look like they're doing this out of pressure from rights holders because there are just too many shows that have been affected, many of them not even that popular. Instead, the National Copyright Administration could have ordered the sites to clean up across the board, he said. This would make sense because, although most full-length programs are no longer available, Trailers, clips, and related talk shows that do not infringe on copyrights can still be accessed. Alternatively, Chao says, it may be related to state broadcasters tightening the reins over the importing of foreign films, which only a handful of state-run distribution companies are authorized to do. Yet another possibility is that this is part of a larger crackdown on video content and the media. Late last month, China's broadcast regulators barred several online portals from streaming video content including Sina Weibo, news site iPhone.com, and popular Bilibili-like video service AC Fun. This was followed by an online video industry association's pledge to censor itself, removing scenes with homosexuality and torture. Last week, China's television and radio authority ordered state broadcasters to air nationalism-tinged publicity programs after 8 p.m., prescribing a list of six items related to the 90th anniversary of the People's Liberation Army ahead of the 19th National Congress of the Communist Party. I think political concerns are behind the deletion, said a legal expert who declined to be named. From shutting down GreenVPN, a tool allowing Chinese internet users to access banned websites, to cracking down on publishers on WeChat, the pattern is evident. From People 
Underqualified Doctors Plague China's Healthcare System by Liu Jiaying and Li Rongde. Beijing. A shortage of general practitioners and the lack of professional qualifications among nearly half the doctors in the country are undermining China's efforts to overhaul its healthcare system. Data from the National Health and Family Planning Commission showed that only 51% of doctors, including surgeons, in the country had a five-year medical degree, the minimum requirement to get a physician's license in many countries, including the UK. In comparison, in the U.S., trainees need to complete a four-year undergraduate degree program, then spend another four years in medical school, and complete three to seven years of residency training before they are eligible for a medical license. In China, individuals with a three-year advanced medical diploma from a university and two to three years of residency training can get a doctor's license. To improve the overall level of medical care at public hospitals, the government was also encouraging medical schools that offer a five-year degree to recruit more students in coming years. The lack of professional qualifications among doctors has created mistrust among patients and resulted in a string of e-nal or violent acts against medical workers in recent years. In one of the latest incidents, a man killed a pediatrician in Lai Wu, Shandong Province, in October after the death of the man's newborn baby in January 2016. Police are still investigating the case. The shortage of general practitioners who serve as the first point of call for many patients is another issue ailing China's public health system. As a result, specialists are overstretched, having to treat both complex illnesses and common colds. China had 3.2 million licensed doctors at the end of 2016, but only 6.6 percent of them were GPs or family doctors, who usually serve at community clinics and small hospitals. Data from the Health Commission showed. This meant China is far behind some developed countries, such as the U.S., where up to 40 percent of licensed physicians are general practitioners," said Qin Huijin, head of the Commission's Department of Health, Science, Technology, and Education, on Wednesday. This could undermine the government's efforts to reduce overcrowding at major city hospitals and ease the burden on specialists by introducing a referral-based program. Such a program would require a patient to have a letter from a primary care doctor to see a specialist, a common practice in most public health systems the world over. Policymakers are yet to announce a timeline to introduce a referral system. A shortage of family doctors may also affect China's ability to offer adequate care for its rapidly aging population, according to Liu Liqun, a policymaker from the Commission's Primary Health Department. A quarter of China's population is expected to be over the age of 60 by 2030, up from 16% at the end of 2015, according to estimates by the Ministry of Civil Affairs. Over 100 million seniors are expected to develop chronic diseases such as diabetes or dementia by 2030, driving up the demand for GPs, Liu said. To handle this avalanche of patients, China needs at least three GPs per 10,000 people by 2020, he said. The country needs to train 100,000 to 200,000 family doctors to meet this target, he added. But most medical school graduates prefer to become specialists, given the comparatively low pay for GPs. Becoming a family doctor is also seen as a dead-end job, with not many opportunities for career advancement. To boost the number of GPs, the National Health Commission has increased the stipend for medical school graduates who join training programs to get accredited as family doctors. Chin said the central government also plans to spend 12.6 billion yuan or 1.86 billion U.S. dollars to train GPs over the next three years. From economy. For Chinese traveling abroad, spending shifts from shopping to sightseeing, by Yang Rui and Pan Che. 
Beijing. Chinese travelers are becoming more independent, organized, and interested in leisure and culture than in shopping, which used to be their top priority when going abroad, a new industry report said. Sightseeing was the number one reason that Chinese tourists traveled overseas in 2016, according to a report published by consulting company Oliver Wyman. Leisure and entertainment overtook shopping as the second most popular reason for traveling abroad. Shopping fell from the number two spot to number three due to the decline in the Daigo business in which Chinese living or traveling overseas buy foreign goods for resale in China. The report, published Tuesday, tracked the overseas trips of 2,000 Chinese mainland tourists last year. On average, spending by these tourists rose 3.5% to 20,300 yuan, $2,990 in 2016, up from 19,635 yuan in 2015. However, shopping accounted for only 33% of that spending in 2016, down from 41% in 2015, according to the report. Overseas shopping expenditures included Daigo spending, shopping for friends, and shopping for oneself. Of those three categories, Daigo spending declined the most. Its share of average travel spending dropped 5 percentage points to 3% in 2016, due to a takeoff in cross-border e-commerce and a smaller price gap between goods bought in China and those purchased in other countries. Spending on shopping shrank on an annual basis, even as overseas Chinese tourists spent more abroad. Chinese tourists are shifting their focus to more meaningful experiences such as enjoying food, culture, and even taking part in adventurous sports hikes, said Hunter Williams, a partner at Oliver Wyman and the author of the report. Meanwhile, with the rapid development of cross-border e-commerce, they can buy goods from all over the globe without leaving home, leading to a decline in Daigo sales. The report showed that mainland tourists have been becoming more independent when planning their trips. Consequently, the appeal of travel agencies, which once played an important role in helping mainland tourists plan their trips abroad, has diminished. Travel agencies planned only 2% of the overseas trips taken by Chinese in 2016, while nearly 75% of the travelers planned their own overseas trips. In addition, mainland tourists spent less time traveling in Asia in 2016, but much more time traveling in distant countries and regions. Hong Kong remained the top destination for mainland tourists, with 55% of the surveyed tourists stating that their impression of Hong Kong improved, compared with 8% who said it had worsened. International news can quickly go viral in China, and crises, tragedies, and political controversies can have near-immediate impact on visitor numbers, the report said. In 2016, South Korea lost its position as the number one destination for mainland tourists after China and South Korea got into a dispute over South Korea's planned deployment of a missile defense system. The number of mainland tourists visiting South Korea dropped 3% year-on-year in 2016. By contrast, Japan became a more popular destination for Chinese tourists, with a 4% increase in mainland tourists visiting the country in 2016. Despite the decline in shopping spending, the trend of Chinese tourists traveling further abroad offers an opportunity to the hospitality industries. Chinese tourists are spending more nights overseas, and this can boost revenues for hotels and restaurants, Williams said. Williams advised foreign companies that want to attract Chinese tourists to increase their presence on Chinese-language travel platforms such as Mafengwo and Tuniu, which mainland tourists use for reviews and information to plan their trips. Williams also suggested that they diversify their services. Backpackers, business travelers, and travelers in tour groups have different demands for their trips, he said.
from business and tech. La Echo smartphone out of stock as unpaid suppliers protest outside headquarters. By Sun Tongying and Song Shiqing. Beijing. La Echo said Wednesday that its branded smartphones were only temporarily out of stock on its online store as the cash-strapped company responded to rumors that it had halted smartphone production. All La Echo branded smartphones are currently listed as out of stock on La Mall, the company's online store, although they remain in stock on third-party e-commerce platforms like JD.com. Since June, dozens of suppliers and business partners of La Echo's smartphone unit have been camping outside the company's Beijing headquarters to demand payment of unpaid bills. Production of its smartphones have been at a standstill, and there is no timetable for resuming shipments. The smartphones are just temporarily out of stock, and La Mall is currently in talks with suppliers. La Echo said in response to Taishin's inquiry. The company added that it had no comment on rumors of a permanent halt to smartphone production. JD.com will continue to sell La Echo smartphones because it still has inventory. Representatives of the e-commerce giant said, "Whether it will continue to sell La Echo smartphones after that will depend on the supply situation." Mobile Number、no. One Research Institute has conducted a survey of channel distributors in 15 Chinese provincial-level areas, and only two have La Echo smartphones in stock," said Sun Yanbiao, the organization's president. La Echo has been selling smartphones at a loss," Sun said. It is a strategy to get phone buyers to pay for content, so the company can earn higher profits in the long run. The hardware cost for a phone was as much as 1,299 yuan, or 191 U.S. dollars, but Leco sold them at a price of 1,099 yuan. She said, "Leco sold 20 million smartphones in 2016, making a net loss of 4 billion yuan." Leco recorded a loss of 9.73 billion yuan in the first three quarters of 2016, with its smartphone segment losing 5.66 billion yuan. The 21st Century Business Herald reported. In May, two mid-level managers from La Echo told Caixin the company was planning mass layoffs in its China smartphone unit, cutting its workforce by half and leaving fewer than 1,000 employees. La Echo has been rattled with fundraising problems and unpaid bills since fall. Its capital crunch followed a spending binge that saw the online video service provider expand rapidly into an array of new businesses, including smartphones, TVs, and electric vehicles. That's this week's show. Thanks for joining us. Drop me an email at kaiser at subchina dot com with your feedback. The Caixin Cynical Business Brief is powered by Subchina and produced, recorded, and edited by Kaiser Guo, with stories by the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin and Tanner Brown of Caixin Global, and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out the Cynical Podcast, the current affairs show I host with Jeremy Goldcorn. And follow the news from China every day at SupChina. Sign up for a free email newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.